first it's real to you. And then your goal is to communicate that message to other people. And then so that other people can be like, oh my gosh, this person gets it. This person understands me. This person knows what it's like. And they're pointing me to some answers. Okay, I'm going to follow that person. I want to go and buy that person's book or go to that conference because you're meeting the need, you're identifying the need, and then you're also pointing three steps ahead and saying, oh yeah, but here's the answer. Here's where we should be walking because I've gone through it and I know where to go now. Hey, this is Heath Padgett and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 135. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and on today's episode, I'm continuing the Make Me Feel Dumb series that I started this past fall. The whole idea behind the series was to bring guests on the podcast who could challenge me in particular areas, and hopefully you as well, and a couple of those guests so far have been Nathan Barry, the founder of ConvertKit, and Michelle Schroeder, one of the top financial bloggers on the internet. And while these guests aren't necessarily living a nomadic lifestyle, they are experts in subjects that help us build relevant skills for growing a business or taking our lives on the road. On today's third Make Me Feel Dumb episode, I'm interviewing a good friend and author, Paul Angoni. Paul authored the best-selling book, 101 Secrets for Your 20s. Alyssa and I met him a few years ago through Twitter, actually. We filmed a course for him and worked with him on a couple projects. And I asked him to be on the podcast today to talk about the importance of asking good, relevant questions, both in our business and our lives. A few other things that we cover in this episode are how to make sure that you're making progress in the right direction for whatever you're working towards, the power of Pinterest and viral blog posts. That one's a bit random, but pretty cool to hear about and what to do when you get stuck in the new OCD, Obsessive Comparison Disorder. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to give a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, the Stories from the Road podcast. One of my favorite parts of RVing is sitting down with other people and sharing stories, the good, the bad, the hilarious. The Stories from the Road podcast talks to RVers from all walks of life about what led them to the RV lifestyle, the things they like, the things they don't like, where they see themselves going in the future. The conversations are heartfelt and funny, and if you're any kind of RVer yourself, and you probably are since you listen to this podcast, you'll identify with a lot of what you hear. That's Stories from the Road, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, and the Google Play Store, and everywhere else that you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get into today's episode with Paul Angoni. Paul, thanks for being on the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Heath. So I don't know if you know this, but you were actually one of our, you probably do know this, you were one of our very first clients a few years ago after we finished up our first year on the road. Uh, we had done Hourly America, traveled all around the country, and then you hired us to help you launch your second book. Yeah, I um, I remember the exact moment where I was on, <laughs> I was on Twitter and I think I was friends with similar friends of yours or whatever. And I saw an interview of yours pop up and I watched you guys uh, being interviewed. And it was just like that instant, like these two are the real deal. <laughs> I just knew it. And I, and I don't have that strong of a feeling sometimes, you know, but I just, I'm like, I want to connect with these two. These two are doing really cool things. And so that's when I reached out and man, the rest is history. That was years ago. And I'm so thankful to know you and Alyssa. Yeah, same here. We actually, we came to stay with you. We spent a week at your house. Your family was not there. It was just like us, Alyssa and I and you. And we, we, we filmed some videos and you know, you, you're all grown up. Your second book came out. And so I want to, I want to talk about a couple different things today. The first thing is you wrote 101 Secrets for Your 20s in 2013. It was released. Is that the first time? Yep, that's correct. And it was kind of like, it's kind of been like this 
cult classic i I would almost call it for people in their 20s like the girl from uh full house i saw tweeted about it not too long ago or fuller house now yeah and uh the book's now been out for five years and you and you you messaged me uh, a couple days ago and you said it just hit its best four months ever and it was recently uh put in target stores across the country which is really cool yeah yeah it's been amazing (laughs) yeah So I wanted to have you on as part of this Make Me Feel Dumb series because it's just cool to dive into topics that are kind of outside the norm around just like everything in our RV, our life is like around RVs and things like that. But Alyssa recently published a book. So I'm just curious, like, what do you think has enabled this book to continue having a chord that it struck for such a long time? Because a lot of yeah. books will come out, there'll be a big spike and then nothing really happens. But sometimes books stick around. Yeah, totally. And and it's so wild. I mean, you might have a book that hit the New York Times bestsellers list, right? That is, you know, they're publicizing that like crazy. And that book might sell less copies than a book that has never hit the New York Times bestsellers list, like my book, 101 Secrets of Your 20s. But it's had a long tail, you know, because New York Times bestsellers lists are all based around like a couple weeks span of time and how many books you can sell within that span of time. So publishers will kind of just push every sale to that time. But my book has been a long tail game of consistent sales over a long period of time. And then it's exponentially grown every year to where now it's the best four months ever five years later, which is somewhat rare. So you're right. It's been an amazing experience. And and why has it been successful? I wish I could put a complete <laughs> formula around it. But I mean, I do have a few, a couple things. One, the book. I think really resonates with people, especially 20 somethings, because I felt like such a failure in my 20s. So I really lived and breathed every piece of this book. So why did you feel like a failure in your 20s? You know, because I graduated from college with these big dreams of making a difference and making a lot of money. And um, and quickly, I realized that wasn't going to be the case. And I felt like all my plans and this is how I'm going to make things happen just went up in flames. I equate it in my new book, I equate it to that feeling of, you know, that feeling when you break up with somebody, if anybody's listening to this has broken (laughs) up with somebody, I know I have, and maybe you were the one that got dumped. I tell this story in my new book where I drove 18 hours in the pouring rain to meet my girlfriend's parents, had different sides of the highway closed because of mudslides, pulled off into some field. I can't even get back home because there's so much rain and mud. It's kind of this epic, like... Dawson's Creek episode, right? You know, flashback to the 90s. And then I call my girlfriend. I'm thinking in my head, like, she could be the one. This could be it. And then on the phone, the first thing that comes out of her mouth is, Paul, we need to talk. And then she went ahead and broke up with me after I've been driving 18 hours to see her parents. Yeah, it's kind of a gut punch. And and so you know that feeling, right, of of kind of your whole world falling apart in a sense, Mm -hmm. where everything you thought you were sure of falls apart? And I think transitions are that way for many of us. And that can come through a, a loss of a job, a loss of a, a, a girlfriend or boyfriend or uh, health or whatever it might be. But in those transition moments, you know, it, the, it's just there's so much ambiguity and confusion and frustration. And that's really what 101 Secrets to Your 20s is about. It's me diving into that for myself as I was now working in a cubicle and you and you know those feelings too, Heath. I know we talked about this, that feeling of like, is this really it? 
And I'm sure many of you listening right now has had that feeling. And that's why you're traveling around in RVs, because you've had that feeling of this is not my life. I want something different. Well, I, yeah, I know for us, it was like you do have uh, you have big dreams for things that you want to do. And, you know, in, in my circumstance, it was like uh, graduated, got the job and I'm like, OK, I want to be an entrepreneur. So I'm going to go work in a startup, kind of learn the ropes and, and see what happens. But it, it really wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And and it was fun and I was learning and stuff, but I was just like, I don't feel like I'm at the right ladder. I'm sure you've heard that term. It's like, you, you know, feel free to, you know, climb as high as you can, but just make sure that you're at like the base of the right ladder. And I was just like, I don't really feel like this is all it's cracked up to be. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if, if you're not on the right ladder and then you just keep climbing up and getting promoted and getting more entrenched into a life you never really wanted, and maybe because you weren't asking the right questions to begin with. Which is a cue to my other book, but we don't have to talk about that now. But that that is so true. If you're not asking the right questions, well, then you're going to be pointed the wrong direction. So you might make a ton of progress, but it might be progress the wrong way. And what good is that? Yeah. What I'm kind of hearing and translating is just like the relatedness that so many people do feel this in their 20s. And you were feeling that and you were documenting that and you you had started a blog called All Grown Up, G-R-O-A-N, Grown Up, which is cute. I love that name. Uh, <laughs> so you'd start a blog and you're kind of just sharing like what you were feeling in your 20s. And uh, it's it seemed like a lot of other people were feeling that too. And you had a blog post go viral. It was like 21 yeah. Secrets for Your 20s. What, was that the name of it? Yeah, that's right. 21 Secrets to Your 20s. And, you know, leading up to that blog post, it had been about eight years of writing and, and failing and trying to get a book published, getting a literary agent, getting turned down by every publisher around because I didn't have a platform or an audience. And so starting over. And so that's kind of what led up to All Grown Up so that I could reach my audience myself so that I could get away from the gatekeepers that kept telling me, no, this isn't marketable or no, who are you to publish a book? You know, those kind of things. I'm sure some of us have heard those same things ourselves. And so that's when... I mean, I was literally, you know, to just get down to the the meat of the story here is that I was two weeks away from quitting everything because I'd been at it eight years. And now I had two kids, a wife, I had a full-time job and time was just really limited. But I still knew, I still felt like, man, this is something I got to do. This is something I cannot not do because it was so real to me. It was so personal to me. And I wanted to help other 20-somethings who were going through those feelings. So then when I posted 21 Secrets of Your 20s as a blog post, and the thing took off and it went crazy viral. It, it kind of it became that catalyst, that tipping point moment for me that took me about eight years to make happen. But then once that happened, man, it was like full speed ahead. I then got a book deal based off that blog post. And then I had about a month deadline to turn that blog into a full book. It, that's crazy to me. That always surprises me. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, man, it was like, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. You can't do this. And then bam. Do it like right a, now. Like a Star Trek, you know, full go, warp speed ahead. And you can't even see around you. You're just focused and going 100, 150% ahead. I, do blog posts go viral anymore? Is that even a thing? Oh, man. That's a good question. <laughs> um you know, it, it's, I think it's hard. And then, and, and even if something does get some traction and is sharing quite a bit, it's hard to capture it or it's hard to build off of it because it might be a quick spike and then go back down. It's just like when you think of, when you think of viral now, it's like videos, like videos go viral every single day, but it's yeah. like, I can't remember the last time I saw like one blog, like there's been one blog post in the RV 
world that I that I've seen. It, and it's not just RVing, but anybody wants to do a road trip. It's like the fastest route to do all fifty states or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. You may have seen that, but um, it's just kind of interesting that that was the catalyst. Yeah, it was one blog post, and it was people sharing it on Pinterest. Oh, interesting. Of all places. So, and I wasn't even really heavy on Pinterest. It was just people that were that had big followings on Pinterest. We're sharing it a ton. So Pinterest really is a great, I mean, we could, you know, that could be a whole nother blog post is just going into each social media platform. But Pinterest, it has a longer shelf life on Pinterest. Mm. You know, these pins stay there. It's not like Twitter or Facebook where it's quickly getting shoved down. It's like these boards are there for a long period of time. So people kept discovering 21 Secrets Your 20s on Pinterest and kept pinning the article image. And I just kept seeing new waves of people, new spikes and it really continued at a heavy pace for about a year where all of a sudden my website is crashing again. Wow. Which I didn't know was possible <laughs> before that. I was listening to it. Something you said made me think of it. I was listening to a guy named Derek uh, Sivers. Is it Silvers? S- Sivers, I think. He, he's written a couple books on entrepreneurship and he started a company called CD Baby. I think it's Derek Sivers. And I was listening to, to him talk at WDS and he basically said he had had all these business ideas and every one of them kind of felt like he was pushing a giant boulder up a hill. And then finally he started CD Baby, which was during like the music downloading days and helping artists get their get their music out there on CDs and downloadable and things like that. And and that one felt like a boulder rolling downhill for the first time. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I find that really fascinating because there's been areas of our world that's just been like the effort to be totally honest has been the complete same. Yeah. maybe even less than things I've tried really hard on. But it's just like, if it's not hitting that pain point, then it's yeah. just, it's not going to go. Like I, I, for us, it's been like, we, we started the RV Entrepreneur Summit last year. We're like, okay, if we get 30 people to come, that'd be awesome. We got 120 to come this year. We doubled in size 250. Yeah. And it was one of those things that's like very, I guess, little, we didn't try super hard to get way more people to come. And, but, but then in other areas, it's just been like pushing boulders uphill so much. So it's just kind of cool that when you find something that actually hits that nail on the head. Yeah. You know, and that's when you're really tapping into, okay, this is a real need or this is a real pain point or this is a real frustration for people. And typically, you know, this because it's birthed out of your own story, right? Like for you guys being RVers, you know what, you know, the need for community and to share ideas and how important that is. For me, it was, I knew what it was like to feel like you're failing and to feel like you have no idea what to do with your life. And so first it's real to you. And then your goal is to communicate that message to other people. And then so that other people can be like, oh my gosh, this person gets it. This person understands me. This person knows what it's like. And they're pointing me to some answers. Okay, I'm going to follow that person. I want to go and buy that person's book or go to that conference. Because you're meeting the need. You're identifying the need. And then you're also pointing three steps ahead. And saying, oh, yeah, but here's the answer. Here's where we should be walking because I've gone through it and I know where to go now. Yeah, I love that. So you had this dream for eight years to be a published author, write a book, write something that makes an impact in people's lives. You had this blog post go viral. Publisher reached out to you, made the connection. You got to publish your first book. It's doing really well. Was it what you thought it would be to be a published author? Um, No. Not at all. You know, I think I had those dreams and visions of, you know, just basically even just seeing my book in like a Barnes and Noble 
you know, even though I was published with a traditional publisher, that didn't mean my book was going to be in all Barnes and Nobles to start, you know, and it, and it wasn't, it was mainly still selling on Amazon. So there was these even levels of, oh, I'm going to be able to go into a bookstore and find my book. And I couldn't do that at first. And so it, there's always those resets and expectations and, and even those feelings of, oh, I've made it. You know, I, I felt like I was working towards getting a book deal for so long. And when it happened, you know, there's, I think there's a little bit of that, gosh, is this really it? You know, I, I thought it would feel different. You know, this is not feeling like it was supposed to. And then you, and then you realize that you got to work really hard at marketing and selling the book and, uh, and continuing that. And, and so, yeah, so it, it didn't feel exactly like I thought it would, but it, but it also did feel amazing to actually tangibly hold a book that had been published by a traditional publisher. And, and that was an amazing, it was an amazing feeling, but I knew there was still a lot of work to be done to actually get the message out there because just, just cause the book exists doesn't mean anybody's going to buy it. And, and it, and it's hard to sell a book. It's hard to get a message out there now because there's so many voices. There's so many blogs. There's so many YouTubers, podcasters, everybody. It can feel very saturated. So you got to cut through that and work really hard at cutting through that. Yeah. One interesting thing that I, I feel I've learned just recently seeing Alyssa's book do pretty well on Amazon and a lot of people picking up is that by converting something to a different medium of consumption, i.e. turning blogs into a book, yeah. It's insane how it's like literally the same. Like you may write 50 blogs and maybe that translates into one book. But yeah. like just because it's packaged in a book has the potential to reach exponentially more people versus you having to like go sit down and you could write 500 more blogs and it wouldn't have the same impact as like those 50 that went. And that probably is like a duh thing, but it was just one of those things like, a lot of the information that was in Alyssa's book was available in various formats on our blog. And just by putting it in a book, it just has the potential to reach more people. So I think that's a really interesting thing too. You're totally right. And yeah, and if we're going back to your first question of, of why is 101 Secrets Your 20 successful or why does it keep being successful? It's exactly that point. It's that a half to three fourths of the book are blog posts that I'd written on All Grown Up. And that's still the beauty of blogging, I think, in those in those ways, is that you're tangibly market testing ideas. And so for me, you know, you're you're testing these ideas, you're throwing them out there, you're putting them in words, you're getting feedback, you're seeing what's sharing, you're seeing what's resonating with people, and then you're able to bring the best of the best, and then yeah, maybe repackage it into a book. And you already know that this stuff works. It's not a guessing game. You've you've put the ideas out there. They've come back and you've gotten great feedback. So now you can repackage it and put it in with a book. So I think that is a big part of 101 Secrets Your 20 success is that a lot of the stuff really worked. And so we just put it in a book. And and my book is really accessible too. You know, it's literally 101. I mean, it really feels <laughs> – yeah. I mean, it really feels like a book. It's like this – you know, lists are really popular for blogs. And my book is just a really long list <laughs> filled with commentary and stories, but you can flip it open and read it right in the middle and pick out a secret. And it's really accessible, which is helpful for me in reaching, especially 20 somethings who maybe don't, you know, some of them read a lot maybe, and some of them don't, but I'm also getting the non-readers mm -hmm. who, who don't read long books, but they pick my book up and they can just skim through it or they can read it from front to back, you know, they can access it in different ways. Yeah. I want to talk about 
asking good questions, which is something that I have noticed as a in a theme as a theme um, hanging out with you and talking to you over the past few years, which is something that you think about, something I've heard you talk about, just how to ask better questions. Uh, and I know that's a topic of your new book. So what what was it that originally incited you to start just thinking about how to ask better questions and, and why has it been an important part of your life? Yeah, I just, I think going back to what we talked about a little bit too, is just, I, I was on this search for answers and I kept trying to figure out what are the answers? How do you find the answers to what you should do with your life, how you should make money, who you should marry, where you should live, all these major life questions. And then I started realizing, man, I'm asking the wrong questions to get to these answers. And, and so I had a lot of different points throughout my 20s and my early 30s where I've been, I've thought and been hit with these different questions that I felt like, man, these questions just open up a whole new portal for me. They, they hit me in a whole different way, something I'd never thought about. And you get down to the heart, you know, you get down to the why. You know, that's the, what we talk about a lot now, right, these days, is what is your why? What is your, what I call your significant why? You know, why are you doing what you're doing? Not what are you doing or how are you going to make it happen, but why are you doing it? And right there is a question, why? And then let's break that down even more. Okay, what are your values that are driving this why? What are your strengths? What are your skills? You know, and it's what I call, Heath, as you know, you help me with this, is I call it your signature sauce. It's this blend of ingredients that only you have that you're bringing together in different ways to create this flavor, this signature sauce that no one else has. But you got to get in the kitchen and ask some questions about what, what goes in the sauce and why do I think this should go in the sauce and why am I going to keep cooking this sauce? What is so meaningful to me about this thing that even if nobody wants to try it at first, I'm going to keep working at it. And so you got to ask these strategic questions because if you don't, and if you're, maybe your question is just, how are we going to make money? Well, is that the best question to be starting this journey from? What's the hardest question that you've ever like had to answer and struggled with on an ongoing basis for yourself? Oh gosh, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> that's a great question, Heath. Um, you know, I think one of them that I, I think has been, been a big catalyst for me and when I've hit on it a little bit, but it's a, a question I ask in the book it's what are my problems and personal pain revealing to me about my purpose? And I think that has, again, been a, a catalyst for me because I think we often want to forget about our frustration or just move on from past pains or things that we went through that were hard. But I've often found that a lot of the times our passion and purpose is birthed out of, a, out of our biggest problems. Mm -hmm. out of our personal pain points. So it's not something to be avoided or to forget about or to move away from. Sometimes you got to kind of sit in it and marinate in it as uncomfortable as it is and then think, okay, how do I want to fix this problem in my life or how do I want to help other people fix this problem? And I think that that becomes a catalytic moment for for everybody. Yeah, and I think you know you see so many people that start businesses or publish books or start YouTube channels or podcasts, and and literally it was just somebody who had this big deep pain point that they went through and solved it, so they could talk about that intimately. And then it, it kind of does become their purpose. Where you, it's like your twenties, you were having a rough go, 
you're like, okay, I'm going to write about this and be awkward and open and embarrassingly honest with people about what I'm feeling right now about being a huge failure. And uh, ultimately, that ended up being what ended up being your your purpose at this point, which is to help people kind of navigate these tough years of their life where they're trying to ask these bigger questions. And even for us, it was like, okay, we had this big desire to go out and travel and and, and make our own careers and and start our own business. And and now that's been a big part of what we work on and bringing together this community of entrepreneurs and people traveling in RVs and documenting that thing along the way. So right, right. Yeah. And that and that goes back to another question I asked the book, which I think is a good segue into what you were saying too, is I asked this question of, am I struggling to make it appear like I'm not struggling? Mm. And I think all of us, maybe even with social media and this idea of creating our personal brand of creating products or whatever it might be, is sometimes we put on this facade of, Oh, we are, we are it. We've got it all figured out. We are amazing. You should follow us. We've got the answers. But I've often found that first you gotta you gotta be real with the struggle first. You gotta let people in. That's what authenticity is, right? It's it's letting them into the struggle, the frustration, the pain again, and you're being honest and open about that so that they can say, Oh, I've been there too, I know what that's like. And then you point them to the answers, and then you help point them to the solution. But if you don't first start by pointing out the struggle, then it's gonna just be blah. It's going to be another just voice giving some inauthentic answer. I heard somebody say recently that uh, people relate, they they respect your successes, but they relate to your weaknesses. And uh, just talking about how true that was, because sometimes it's, you know, well, it's always kind of fun to share, like, here's the cool thing it did. Here's how great it was. Like, we hosted a conference, blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares, Heath. Um, but it's like all the awkward things that you really struggle with that people are like, yeah, me too. And I think that's, I think that's powerful is when you can make somebody just say me too, because that's something that maybe they hadn't heard before. And somebody finally just said it out loud because that person was being a little bit brave. And then that caused somebody else to be a little bit brave and say like, yeah, I also struggle with this. And, you know, it's, we don't, we don't connect around our pretend perfection. We connect around our shared struggle. Yeah. That's where the connection points are. To quote myself. Is that Paul Angoni quoting Paul Angoni? That's Paul Angoni quoting Paul Angoni in my new book. <laughs> does your does your wife get mad at you for doing that ever? I thankfully don't do that too much in my <laughs> real life because I don't think she would listen to me uh, at all. But um, yeah, it, it's it takes courage to talk about where you lack the most courage. That's yeah. where vulnerability is. But again, that's where that's where trust is built. And I think that's it's interesting because some platforms and and areas that people create content are more prone to being open. Like I I find podcasting a pretty interesting long form medium where you can kind of get past the service level stuff, at least in my experience, and just get to some of the real things. And it's like I'm talking to a microphone, into a computer, into Skype, into a call recorder right now with my friend Paul forgetting sometimes that a lot of other people are also going to listen to this. And so it's just like, yeah, I'm just talking and, you know, it's fine and I can just share whatever I want. But uh, on Instagram, it's like, okay, is this the perfect shot at the light, the right angle that's going to look the best? And what kind of cool story can I craft with it? Which it's like, that's not real life. That, But then again, like, that's not how that plat- that platform was created to reward the best looking photo and the best looking story, not necessarily have its ha- like, it's not yielded to, to be like the most authentic version of what real life is actually like. It's yeah. more like, it's more like looking at a magazine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's, you know, you've heard me say this before Heath and maybe other people listening to this has heard me say this before, but I call it, um, 
a different kind of OCD. I call it obsessive comparison disorder. And I think that's really what social media is for a lot of us. And, and especially anybody that's trying to create something online and build a brand or create a business, you get stuck in that comparison game. You know, no matter how good your book is doing, no matter how good your podcast is doing, no matter how big your website is, I feel like we're all prone to look at the person ahead of us and say, man, I wish I could be doing that well. Or, wow, look how much money they're making or look how big of an impact they're having. And so we, I think we all get stuck in that obsessive comparison disorder and that can be problematic. You know, obviously it's good to have people we want to look to, to emulate that are doing good work, but also we can't let that seep into our own story where we start feeling like I'm a failure because I'm not reaching some pinnacle of success or their images on Instagram look so much cooler than mine. Right. And that's kind of just that metaphor, I think for entrepreneurial life is to not get sucked into that feeling of, man, I am not a success because I, everybody looks like they're doing better than me, which we're all kind of crafting this image that maybe might not be the most authentic image for what's really going on in our life. Yeah. And I, I don't know how to get past that comparison thing. Cause I know a comparison is the thief of joy. I love that quote by Teddy. Uh, you know, but I, it's a struggle for me to get past that. And I, I, and, and it really does rob you of like what should be really great moments because when, you know, we host a conference and I'm like, well, it's small compared to most events. That's yeah. a stupid, like pathetic type of thing to say, because in, in all honesty, you know, you know, if I was looking down on myself, trying to give myself good life advice, it'd be like, you made something meaningful, enjoy it. That, yeah. that makes a difference. And that one point was a dream. Um, you know, it was just a dream to be able to travel the country a few years ago. And now that you've done that, like, be proud of that. So I, yeah. I, I struggle with that sense of like being content with, you know, where we're at, but also looking forward because I feel like if I'm just complacent, then I'll just sit here and not do anything. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. And it's, it's good to keep perspective. I constantly have to keep perspective of, Man, think think back to what life was like seven years ago or five years ago or three years ago. Man, look at what has happened. You know, the bricks that have been laid down, the seeds that have been planted. You know, that, and that's why, you know, I, that's what it's, I love the farming metaphors, right? Just that, that, because my, my relatives are farmers. And just that idea of planting something in the ground, consistent, consistently watering it. Life gets sparked. You know, you grow some fruit and then maybe that the fruit goes away and you have to start it again. You know, and it's that constant seasonal thing. But keeping that perspective of, man, look how far I've come and look how much further I can go and just being excited about that point in the journey you're on. And that is tough to do. I think that's tough to do for all of us, no matter how many books you've published or how many website views you're getting. We can always have those feelings of, oh, it could be more. Uh, sure, but let's be excited about what's going on right now. I, I, that's to- I, I need to hear that every day too. What are some of the ways that people can ask better questions every day? Like if you were talking to me, just, you know, Heath, here's, here's some things that I've learned about asking better questions. So you spent the past couple years thinking about this, researching, talking to people, writing a book about um, how to ask better questions, the questions that you need to ask uh, in your 20s and 30s. So what what are some of the ways that just people can ask better questions in life? Um, another great question, Heath. You're, <laughs> you're doing a great job. You know, I, the way I describe, I'll start off by describing how I envision my life is, especially as an entrepreneur, I'm, you know, I'm a full-time author, speaker, similar to many of you trying to create my own business. And I think of my life as this wheel, 
as a kind of this bike wheel with these different spokes in the wheel. And so I'm constantly asking myself, okay, what spokes are in this wheel uh, that are going to keep the wheel turning? And maybe that those spokes are ways that I'm making money. So I'm looking at those spokes. What fits within this wheel that that is is spinning the wheel that is helping me make money, but it feels like it fits? And, it, and are there some spokes that don't fit in the wheel? And so when I break down what this wheel is, you know, again, then it goes back to okay, what is my why? What is my values? What do I feel like is my purpose? What is this vision? What is this mission? You know, I want to I want to inspire people with truth, hope, and hilarity. So, am I doing that with this spoke? So, I guess keep breaking it down to: Does this fit with this vision, with this mission, with what I've defined as my signature sauce? Again, this is going to be my flavor, my signature sauce. Am I trying to bring an ingredient in that doesn't fit within this? That I need to remove it, even if it's going to make me a lot of money. Maybe there's something that or an opportunity that's going to make you a lot of money, but it just feels like this is the wrong fit. This is going to take me away from that vision, that mission, that purpose that I knew I was going to be on that journey. And so it's 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 not just one big question; it's that kind of that constant lens and funnel to bring opportunities and experiences into and 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 marinating in that, and, and then making a decision of okay, I should choose to move forward with this, or I should choose not to move forward with this. Yeah. So it sounds like you're constantly sitting down and looking, aligning yourself with your purpose. Like, what's my purpose? Why, why am I an author? Uh, I'm an author because I want to inspire people with honesty, hilarity. What's the other one? Uh, truth, hope, and hilarity. Truth, hope, and hilarity. And does this fit within that realm? Even if maybe it doesn't make business, like uh, make sense financial wise, does it make sense? And so how often do you do that? Because I find that I like, uh, have you ever read the E-Myth? No. Okay. So, uh, the guy, it's a really good book for entrepreneurs. I, I totally recommend it, but, um, he talks about the difference between working in the business and on the business. So like a pizza maker, you know, like as a, if he's the engineer of the business, it talks about there being a few different people. There's the manager, the engineer and the entrepreneur. Uh, I think that's what it was, but basically like the engineer is always like in the weeds. Like he's, how do I get better ingredients? all this stuff. I'm doing this Italian metaphor for you, Paul, because Thank you're, you. I appreciate yeah, it. of course. Um, but then there's like actually focusing on the business, which is like, okay, what's going well? How am I growing things? Like, you know, am I meeting, you know, what's my P and L and things like that. So I'm just curious for you. Like I, I kind of look at the whole a- asking yourself like your purpose and, and how does this align? Like I, I try to do that fairly often because especially when I get really busy, I start getting worn down by work. Like the past two months we've been, uh, I think like five or six different flights in different places amidst like launching a couple new clients for campground booking and hosting our event and all this stuff. And I just find myself getting worn down and I just keep, I, I, the question that's in the back of my head that I find myself trying to answer is like, why am I doing all this? Like, yeah. what am I, why am I doing this? If I'm waking up early, why am I waking up early? Like, what's the motive here? So I'm just curious, like how often do you pick your head up and like focus on the business to ask those bigger questions? Is that like weekly, monthly, um, just whenever you're feeling down, I'm just kind of curious what that is for you. Well, I think you almost described it in a way that it's not this like set time. You know, it's not like, oh, I got to do this weekly. I think it just becomes this natural progression, this natural reaction that you do daily, that you do with an email that comes in and you're reading it 
and you're feeling either this this sense of oh this is something that fits within this wheelhouse this is a flavor that i need to put in the signature sauce or it's not you know i i think it's just something that hopefully becomes this this procedure that we're doing constantly that we're bringing again opportunities to and we're doing it on a daily basis we're doing it on a, a hourly basis it just becomes our natural reaction of okay let me bring this back to this this lens of okay does this fit or does this not fit and then, yeah, we can have some of the bigger times, too, to even really sit down and even write it out. And I think that helps, too, just writing these things out. So you're putting words to it, which really makes you define, okay, even something like a question I ask in the book is, what are your top five, what I call soul values? So what are your top five values that really drive your decision-making process? So when you're met with a decision, what are the values of yours that are helping you work through that decision. So maybe a value like for me, a value for me is authenticity. That's a value of mine. So I f if I feel like I'm making a decision that is inauthentic, again, to who I am, I'm gonna feel anxious. I'm gonna feel frustrated. I'm gonna feel like I'm going the wrong direction. So I know authenticity is a big one for me. Um, so it's even breaking down those values and ranking them to figure out, okay, what is my hierarchy of these values? What is literally my number one value? What is my number two value? Uh, I had a mentor that made me do this, a guy named Ray Rude, and it was a tough thing to do. It's something that we think we know. Oh, I know what my values are. Well, can you rank them? What What is literally your number one? You're not all the way down to number five. And I think that's a really helpful exercise to go through to figure out, okay, these are where my decisions are, are going to, and I, I, I got to make sure I'm being true to these values or I know what that's going to feel like. Yeah, and it sounds kind of like pie in the sky, woo woo to like talk, especially like early on. Sometimes, like it, it, like Alyssa and I had this conversation yesterday because last year I came up with uh, the values for our RV Entrepreneur Summit, and they were learning, fun, and community. And it was kind of one of those things in the moment where she's like, "Do we need values? Is this really relevant?" But then this year, when we were planning the conference we actually made a ton of decisions based off of these values. So we would look yeah. at like, hey, we've got a lot of great speakers. We've got a lot of really good uh, like community time where people can hang out. So like we're really living up to those values, but we need to add some more fun. You know, like so, yeah. so uh, like uh, many of our decisions were looking through that lens of values. And it's like, if we didn't have those, we, we wouldn't have if we wouldn't have been like taking a little bit of time to be thoughtful of those, we'd just been making random decisions and it may not have felt right. But I think that's true in every part of our lives and our business and our work and everything. Yeah, you're right. You got to have these guiding posts. You got to have these things that are helping guide you. So you don't feel like you're just being swayed. You don't feel like when each new wave comes in, you're being affected. You know, you're, you're, it's, you're more permanence to it. There's more direction. There's more purpose. And so if you feel like you're yes, can be your yes and your no can be your no and you know why you're saying yes and you know why you're saying no and i think that's so important to continuing momentum to continuing success because i think that's why one hit wonders are one hit wonders right is they've done something well they've had some success with some skill but there was nothing to hold it up it was like one of those those fake stages you know that a magician would use right where they pull a string and the bottom of the stage drops so that they can hide. And I feel like that's what one, one hit wonders are. Someone pulls the string and they fall through, even though they were just on stage in front of millions of people, maybe. 
I love it. I love how you always speak in these like metaphors. Like I, you know, we'll just be hanging out and it's like, Paul is just riffing on all these awesome metaphors. That's, I think also as a side note, I just had an idea when you were talking. So you just came out with 101 questions asking your twenties and let's be honest, yeah. your thirties. And like, I think my, I, I've gotten to look at, read some of the book. I haven't finished all of it. Cause you just sent it to me a few days ago. It looks awesome. But, um, one of the things that I, I feel like is a good takeaway for me just looking through this it's just the practice of asking yourself good questions yeah. and making making that just a habit in your life. So I, I have an idea for you, um, and I'm happy to collaborate on this book. No, I'm kidding. Um, but like, <laughs> hey, I'm after, open. after this book, you should write one just like how to ask good questions. Because I think it applies to so many areas of our life. Like if we're interviewing somebody, if we're just having a daily conversation, if we're trying to make big decisions in our lives. And to me, it's like you're giving people on this one, like a rule book, a guidebook on how to ask. just like, here's a list of questions that you literally should ask. But in general, you should just learn how to ask good questions. Yeah. And that's and hopefully my, kind of the goal of my book is that it's a conversation starter for people to do in community. Right. That they're asking these questions to themselves and other people, because it's it's another question that I ask in the book is. And I think this is especially relevant for our viewers is have I told anybody where I'm going? And and that question came out of the movie 127 Hours. Uh, where the guy chops was, off his arm. You see, you're getting to the end of the story already. He, you got to you got to build up. You got to work to it. You got to get to the tension. Yeah, I don't speak in metaphors all the time. I need to take oh, notes. Oh my gosh, that was just man. You went straight to the cutting off of the arm. Um, <laughs> you're right. No, it's the 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 true story of the mountain climber Aaron Ralston, and he gets stuck. And I don't know if you've seen it, Heath, but there's this really poignant part of the movie where he's he's going through the past few days. He's going through the phone calls he didn't pick up. And he just comes to this realization with this huge boulder stuck on his arm. And he says to himself, I never told anyone where I was going. And so he's completely stuck. There's no one coming to his rescue because he never told anybody he was going because he was the hero that could do it all himself. And I think that's so true for all of us, you know, especially when we have big dreams and we're going places, we're traveling. We got to continually have people that we're telling where we're going, both literally and metaphorically. Like, here is where I'm headed in life. Here are my dreams. Can you walk with me through this? Can you give me some encouragement? Can you give me some advice? I can't do this alone uh, because because I don't want to get stuck with a boulder on my arm and then try to cut it off myself. I need somebody there that's going to help me when times get tough. And and, and that goes back to your thing. People that will ask you good questions as you will ask them good questions. Maybe that's your spouse. Maybe that's your, you know, what I say, your dream team, people that you've put on your dream team. We need those people in our lives again, or we're going to get stuck or when failures happen and they're going to happen and we're so frustrated, we need people to keep reminding of us and say, no, you got to keep going because there's people out there that need you. There's people out there that need what you have to offer. You have to keep going. We need those people on our side. Yeah. And I, I mean, we found that in accountability groups and just people that, have some type of knowledge of what we're doing uh, in our lives, because those are the people that, you know, one, they care and two, they have contacts, which I think is big because 
it's, you know, it's one thing to ask somebody for advice who doesn't really know what's happening in your life, but it's another thing when people know like, okay, th- this is kind of the interest intricacies of your, what your business is. These are your own values. And having that intimacy with somebody that is not just your spouse, I, I have found is really helpful from just like a business accountability standpoint, because then people can, you know, look into what I'm doing and ask me really challenging questions. Like, why aren't you doing this? Like you say, this is your goal, but I haven't seen you actually making moves on this. And that's, yeah. that's super helpful. And then from like a literal standpoint, you know, we're friends with a lot of solo female travelers and, you know, they literally tell people where they're going before they go out for things like a hike totally, totally. Um, or they go somewhere new or whatever. And so that's just a really interesting thing, too. So, Paul, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. A hundred and one questions you should ask in your 20s uh, is coming out soon. Uh, where's a good people for a good place for people to connect with you and learn more about your book? Yeah, they can go to my website, allgrownup.com. That's still my home base. And again, it's grown, spelled G-R-O-A-N, like you're groaning in pain. And uh, you can go right now and you can pick up free chapters from 101 Secrets to Your 20s, 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s, and connect with me there. Um, You can also find me on, obviously, Twitter, Instagram, and that's at Paul Angoni, which Angoni is spelled A-N-G-O-N-E. It's a good Italian name, Angoni. But yeah, I, I would love to connect with you guys. If you guys have more questions about anything that I was talking about, if I was going too fast, feel free to reach out. If you just need advice, uh, you know, even on the publishing journey, writing books, getting published, those kind of things, you know, that's not my main thing. It's not like I'm doing courses to help people get published like other people, but I love helping other people because I know the frustration and it feels like this black curtain that no one knows what's behind it. So if you need help with that too, I'm, I'm open and, and, and willing to help. But um, yeah, I'm excited for the new book, 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s. And let's be honest, your 30s too. And I think it could be your 40s or 50s because I, <laughs> I, these are just life questions. But obviously my kind of niche is 20-something, so that's why it's titled that. But, um, but yeah, thanks for having me on, Heath. You're an encouragement, inspiration to me, and it's always an honor to talk to you, man. Thank you so much, Paul. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Paul and Goni. Make sure to go check out his new book, 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s. And let's be honest, your 30s too. That's out on Amazon now. And I will see you guys next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.